You're listening to Arc Radio Podcast. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to Radio Ramadan 87.7 FM. You're listening to Crisis of Faith show and uh, your host Aman Durani and I've got my co-host Abdul Wadud. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam, Aman. How are you doing? Good, Hamza. Thank you very much. So, um, if you tuned in last uh, last week at the same time, you we had a bit of a discussion about the premise of this show. And what we know in our times is so many issues going on, but one of the big issues that we're really facing, and then I think will be an issue for the coming um, years and, and generation, is people that, for many different reasons, start to doubt why they are Muslim and they end up leaving their faith or certainly having a lot of doubts about their faith. Often we have so much focus and everyone feels very happy when we hear about people that are coming to Islam, whether you call them converts or reverts, but there's perhaps less focus and less emphasis on people that are leaving Islam and particularly I think it's an issue of uh, young people who, you know, with the narrative that they hear about Islam in the media, you know, in the very negative portrayal, sometimes it becomes diff- difficult to work out the wheat from the chaff, from the truth, from all the perceptions that you hear. And so we felt it was really important to focus on these topics um, about uh, a crisis of faith in a very honest way, but also having suggestions and ideas of how we can move on from that. And we're very grateful to our esteemed guest, uh, Sheikh Amr Jamil, who is joining us every week to explore some of these topics in depth. Last week we mentioned that there's several different reasons and one of the articles that we'd um, come across which I think resonates with some of us is that there's sometimes three main areas why people have a crisis of faith. One area is to do with like moral and social norms um, and how society is changing around them. Another reason is more philosophical and scientific concerns, you know, um, more from a sort of a very cognitive and theoretical perspective. And the third is perhaps this personal trauma, bad experiences that have happened to people that they, you know, that leads them to doubt their faith. And so today's topic, we're going to talk about why does God allow suffering? Um, and it's a very heavy topic. And last week we talked a bit about, uh, quite in depth, actually about homosexuality um, and how the difficulties that arise from that that lead to people having a crisis of faith. And so today's um, topic, which we're talking about, is why does God allow suffering? And thinking about how that will then perhaps lead for some people to doubt their faith. And this is quite one that sometimes we come across or hear uh, a lot, an abrupt and direct sort of statement. But I was thinking in terms of this whole topic, and we'll explore different areas. I think we'll think about a little bit in terms of um, personal loss and suffering um, and people, you know, issues arising from that. So perhaps uh, people have experienced illnesses of children, family members, um, perhaps miscarriages, stillbirths, deaths of children, or perhaps you know people have experienced terminal illnesses or uh, quite severe illnesses, and people will say, actually, why is this happening to me? Um, this seems really unfair. Or what did I do? You know, I was very practicing or very had a strong faith in God. And it's not uncommon even for very religious people to sometimes say, you know, it shakes their faith and makes them think twice about God when they go through these experiences. And then we'll maybe think a little bit even on the global context. You know, it's, we hear about things that are happening in Rohingya, in Syria, in all of these conflict zones. And you can imagine people in these areas thinking, actually, why me? Why is Allah, you know, doing this to me? You know, a lot of our scholars, Sheikh Amr, Sheikh Rizwan, for example, spent a lot of time in Damascus and Syria 
um, and working with the people there. And, and, you know, we hear about these traumas and these really difficult conflicts for, you know, places that are really blessed. Um, and so th- these are some of the things we'll explore. Um, but firstly, let's hear a bit about uh, the clip from Stephen Fry. So many of you will know about Stephen Fry. He's a very famous uh, broadcaster, writer, um, and he's... Um, got these strong opinions about God and you know about God and suffering and I think the important thing about Stephen Fry is really he he has such a high profile I mean he does a lot of campaigns he's got mental health issues does a lot of campaigning so certainly you know I would credit him with that he's encouraging people to have these conversations about he's talked about his own um, health issues but what, uh, one of the things and he's a very eloquent very very intelligent person yeah. and very articulate you know although those will you know if you watch any QI and all these yeah, sort of yeah, things you know, know he kind of knows lot, everything yeah. you know um, and yet you know if you listen to this clip you really uh, it can take you aback so it's uh, so a couple a clip for a couple of minutes perhaps encapsulate some of the issues that we're going to talk about today Sheikh I guess we, you know it's not an uncommon thing and it, you know, if you YouTube some of these things is you know people like Ricky Gervais a lot of celebrities who really almost big passion about hating God and this what sort of God allows his suffering so um from a Muslim angle I mean we will unpack some of these things that come up but I guess coming to this core things that you know we hear a lot about uh, Allah being merciful and beneficent and uh, caring and generous um, and in like Christian theology very much about love you know even you know the whole if you you know the royal wedding recently with the <laughs> Prince Harry you know and that black preacher that came who's kind of stole the show his whole thing was about love you know and about you know that was it and you know everyone's you know very powerful so how do we go for how do we reconcile this issue that if God is so loving you know why are bad things happening in the world and why are bad things happening to me Alhamdulillah, so I mean that's a quite typical kind of um, answer that you you hear from from atheists um, because they can't understand um, events around them. Um, the thing the the way we as Muslims look at things is that the first the first premise that people need to understand is um, this world is a as a temporary abode. You're only here for a very short period in comparison to Eternity. So if you think of 50 years or 60 years, um, it's a very short period in terms of what is to come after this. So our focus is not just the dunya. We don't, we don't see our, um, our understanding of life. Like when I'm thinking of my life, um, this, is, this is Imam Haddad's got a book on the lives of man. And he says there are five stages of life. The first stage was in the soul world, when the souls were created. Second is this world. Third world, uh, third world is when you die and you go into the what's called the interspace or the barzakh, which is the life of the grave. Then the fourth is when you're resurrected and the reckoning happens, and then the fifth is um, eternal paradise or eternal uh, hellfire. So there's five different um, <coughs> stages of life. Um, for atheists, it's just this world. That's it. This and and to be honest. Um, you only live live once. You only, you only live once, and um, they have. I mean, it's basically just you. You got one life. Enjoy it to your full. And what they're going to do, they're just going to go for their base desires. 
um, because we have all these base desires within ourselves. So fasting, why would you fast the month of Ramadan? I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I? Why would I? I've got one life to live. Why would I deny myself of food and drink, which are pleasurable things? Why would I deny myself that? So um, it's all about indulging. It's all about um, what feels right, what's right. So their whole um, outlook and uh, world vision is, is very much about um, the person um, and, and he's talking about selfish God will it's, it's, it's basically you know you're just thinking about yourself what's most important to you what's what makes you happy and all these other things <coughs> and in terms of other uh, morals or things that would you do right it's just because it feels right in your heart um, and if it didn't feel right you would do something else so that's the kind of um, diff- the, the fundamental difference between us and them and the second is this central thing that he's talking about why why is God doing this why is God doing that it's what's called the question of evil in uh, theology and it's not something which um, just affects uh, Muslims it affects all faiths this question of okay if, if there is a God why is there suffering in the world and inshallah we'll talk about that in a bit more detail um, but the simple answer to that question is that nothing um, is devoid of meaning Nothing is devoid of benefit And nothing is devoid of wisdom It's about whether we understand or not So if we think of a child um, So if I've got a child And he says and, he, and I give him a chocolate And he enjoys the chocolate And he says I want another one dad Right At some point I'm going to say No that's enough Because I know that that's not good It's not beneficial for him Okay, but in his five-year-old, six-year-old, he doesn't understand that. He can't understand why you're not giving me this chocolate. You must be the meanest dad in the world. You're so horrible. You don't love me. Um, you know, etc., etc. So what happens is that it's almost as if, like, so Stephen Fry, he's a creation of God, right? And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in the Quran, "Wama ilmi illa You've been given a limited amount of knowledge because our brains are limited, our bodies are limited. We're limited by space and time and so on. So. Because we're limited, our aql as well, our intellect is, is limited, our understanding is limited. Um, so we can only understand to a certain extent. You know, is that there's a there's a there's a boundary that our knowledge goes to. There's a boundary for everything. So for us to fully one hundred percent understand something that's not created, that has no beginning, that has no end, is everlasting. Um, it's very very difficult, right? So. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tries to help us by giving us information in the Quran and so on um, to understand him. But does that mean that we fully, 100% understand Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? No, we don't. So um, when it comes to things which we we may perceive as a negative, okay, so we perceive it as a negative, but if we saw the fuller picture, if we saw reality, we'd say, ah, that makes complete sense, right? So it's just that we don't have the full picture, so Stephen Fry is looking at this big massive picture with like a, a tiny, tiny, tiny uh, eyepiece and he can only see this one thing and he, if he zooms out and sees the entire picture and sees where it all fits in, he says, ah, actually now it makes perfect sense, which is why some of the uh, pious in, in, the, in the past used to say that if the veils were created, I would not have increased in, in certainty. In other words, I'm completely certain that what's happening right now is in my best interest and it's happening the most perfect way possible because if the veils were lifted and I could see everything, right, then I would totally get it. So mm-hmm. so it's like, um, I remember we were doing this NLP course and we were showing a picture of one man pushing another man. 
So we were asked in the, in, in the class, what do you think of this? And we said, well, that's, that's wrong. This man's getting pushed by another man. It's oppression, right? So then they, they, they increase the, the picture. So you, you, you start to see it. And then, you, and then what happens is that eventually the picture becomes really big, big and something falling from the sky, like a, like a brick or something, which is going to land in the sky. So the other guy who's pushing him is pushing him out of the way. And he said, well, what do you think now? And we said, well... <laughs> now he's actually saving him. Good, yeah. You know, so so at, at one point we thought this is he's completely wrong. He's oppressing him. But when we saw the fuller picture, all of a sudden our opinion changed. And that's exactly the the same analogy we should apply for these things. As Muslims, we have this wider um, perspective of the akhirah. So it's not not just all about this world. But there's also something you mentioned which is interesting, which you said maybe we've got limited wisdom in terms of why bad things happen and we can't see the bigger picture. So can can I perhaps unpack some of that with you? So, I mean, if um, somebody experiences some difficulty, like Stephen Fry talked about, um, you know, why would God have created like these insects, which you know basically are in children's eyes to make them blind? Or if you think about perhaps common examples that we know around us, as you know, perhaps. Um, people that experience uh, miscarriages or stillbirths or death of babies. I can understand your point that maybe there's a bigger wisdom, but what wisdom or what advantages can there be in those sort of situations? How can that be any good in terms of if you are able to stay, take that step back? You know, how... Because people will question, actually, well, what is the wider benefit of this really bad things happening for innocent children or innocent people around us or people that are very pious and things <coughs> happen uh, mm-hmm. in a negative way. Um, so there's a, a really good um, lecture that I would um, rec- highly recommend everybody watch uh, on YouTube by Sheikh Hamza Yusuf. It's, um, it's, I think it's called The 17 uh, Benefits or Wisdoms of Trials and Tribulations. It's, ba- it's basically, he goes through a book by a scholar called uh, Iz Ibn Abdeslam, I've got it in front of me. It's called Al-Fitan Wal-Balaya Wal-Mihan Wal-Razaya or Fawa'id Al-Balwa Wal-Mihan. So he was a famous scholar and um, he basically lists 17 benefits um, in what we may perceive as being uh, calamities or difficulties. So um, I'm not, I'm not going to go all through 17. You're not going to be able to ca- um, follow it. But if you listen to that um, that um, lecture, it's on YouTube. Um, I think it's about an hour, just over an hour long, but very beneficial. And obviously Sheikh Hamza, being from the West, he kind of links it to our kind of reality. So... Um, if you listen to that, that will give you a synopsis of what uh, Ibn al-Salam talks about in terms of he he mentions different um, um, different uh, wisdoms that are, are behind trials and tribulations. What we know of trials and tribulations are, is that they generally um, have uh, three purposes. So like you mentioned, that uh, sometimes it happens to good people. Okay. So, well, why is it happening to good people? So, f- the first is it, it happens to people who bring it upon themselves through sinning. So, if you if you do a sin, as you know, it puts a, a black dot in your heart. So, if you feel sad, if you feel low, um, obviously, if it's straight after a, a sin, then that's that's a consequence of the sin. So, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala talks about that. al-fasad uh, fil wal nas. There's corruption has appeared in the land and the sea. Be what people through what people have earned through their own hands. So sometimes it's your own doing, um, and um, 
there's also hadith about every uh, discomfort you have in this world. So there's a hadith in Bukhari that says no fatigue, disease, difficulty, sadness, the hurt, whatever you want to call it, befalls a Muslim, not even the prickling of a thorn, except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will, by means of it, expiate some of his sins. So it's a purification. So we all have sins. All of us, every single one of us has sins from top to bottom. Um, and when we have a difficulty, any difficulty in life, you have a headache, for example, just a simple thing, a headache, um, then by virtue of that pain that you're suffering, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will recompense that suffering. So any suffering in this world, right, whatever suffering it might be, is going to be recompensed. This is what I was saying about our uh, understanding is not just limited to this world. If it was limited to this world, then you'd say, well, well, I don't get this, right? Why are some people suffering, some people are not suffering? That's not fair. But when you look at the bit in, in, a, in a wider context that this is actually only a stage, we're only going through this stage in life, and we have another life to come, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most just, the most merciful, and so on and so on, He's going to recompense every type of suffering. So anything which happens in your life, whether it's a small suffering to like a prickling of a thorn or a high suffering, let's say a illness like cancer, then that's a means of purifying a person's sins. So if you ask somebody, okay, um, at the end of your life, you got three months of, of difficulty of suffering through cancer or something. Um, would you have rather not had those three months uh, uh, of suffering and the sins that you're carrying, you would you would want to take a chance in a day of judgment uh, of having having to co- having to answer for them, knowing that the punishment is hellfire, or would you rather just have three months of suffering in this temporary world, when then going into the akhirah with a clean slate, you know? So, but, but on that point, Sheikh, so how would one know? So, for example, if um, a couple lose a a, ba- a child, huh? you know, re- one of the most difficult things for an individual is you know is you know the loss of their children and to bury them. Uh-huh. If I mean, how are they to know if they think actually maybe this is because of my sins? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can imagine that will lead to a lot of guilt, a lot of emotional trauma. To say, you know, actually, we, we pray, we're practicing or whatever, and this thing happened. Um, naturally, you would say, actually, you know, there's a danger that they would say, actually, maybe this is because of my own sins. Yeah, that I mean, can it's then not lead to that guilt and that no. difficulty. So, how, how does one process some of that? Because the natural question is actually, why has this happened to us? Yeah, yeah. The thing is, um, <clears throat> Uh, the suffering that you feel through whatever mechanism it is, you lose somebody, uh, an, a relative, whatever, right? It's not within, like, it's nothing to do with you, it's like external people. Any suffering that you have, your sins will be expiated, but it's not, it doesn't mean that um, because of your sins, that person was, was made to die early, for example. Um, because, like I said, either it's through your own sinning or it's not through sinning, it's just to purify you of other sins, right? It's not that particular sin, it's other sins. And the third thing which uh, and I didn't get to mention is uh, sometimes the person, it's got, it's, it's got nothing to do with sins at all, is to raise their rank. And this is the, the case with, say, like um, prophets, mm. the case with um, sahaba, the case with like um, pious people. There's a hadith that says, Ashaddu nasi bala'an al-anbiya. The people who were most, uh, had suffered the most in life were the prophets, so whatever you, you're going through is nothing compared to what the prophets went through, okay? And they were the most beloved to God. They were the closest to God. Um, and then it says, ثُمَّ الْأَمْثَلِ Then the most like them, 
فالأمثل than the most like them. So basically, people who devoted their lives to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala have always gone through difficulties. They've always had they all had pain and suffering. Um, that is not that doesn't mean that they 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 had lots of sins. That was to raise their their ranks. And one of the things I think the problem is that we're sometimes so disconnected. From our tradition and our and the book. I mean, this is the month of Ramadan. We're supposed to be reading it and, and contemplating it. If you look at the Quran, it is full of stories of, of past nations, isn't it? It's full of stories of prophets. Any prophet you look at did not have a good time. Every prophet had a hard time, right? They had difficulties. I mean, I was listening to Surah Yusuf today in, in the Tarawih prayers. I mean, the 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 story of Surah of Yusuf alayhi salam, uh, of no fault of his own. He, you know, his, his brothers first of all think of killing him. Then he gets left. Then he gets put in a well. Then uh, he gets sold into slavery. Then he ends up going to uh, prison innocently, and then he eventually, obviously, things uh, turn good at the end. But he has a difficult, difficult life. The Prophet sallam said nobody had as many difficulties as I did. So these are prophets of Allah subhanahu wa taala. So when we're reading these stories, they're not just stories that we're supposed to just read. We're supposed to think, okay, if that's the prophets, right? If that's what happened to the prophets, then it's it's obviously natural that other people are going to have these same difficulties. We're not going to have at the same level, but we're also going to have difficulties. And then you look at, well, what is the lessons behind those stories? Um, for example, the end is always for people that have taqwa. So these are trials and tests that happen. I mean, there's another verse in Surah Baqarah which says, do you really think you'll enter paradise without going through difficulties that people before you had to go through? So when people look at this thing of, well, why did it happen to me? Why was it? Why is it only now you're thinking that? So before when it was happening to other people, it was okay. But all of a sudden, because it's happening to me, but why is it happening? You know, before you, you lost that child, were people not losing their children? Were, people, did, were you not watching suffering on the TV all over the world? So why was it, in a sense, acceptable at that point? But when it touched you, it became unacceptable. So can people take comfort in, I mean, even if you look at the Prophet, peace be upon him's life, um, the Prophet you know, lost his. That's his, what I was going to say. So he's, you know, the most beloved to Allah. And he, he lost all his, his, his children. He, list, he, he lost all his children in his life, yeah. apart from Fatima Zahra, and she passed away six months after him. But he, he, you know, all his children passed away in his life. And again, that is in Allah's plan and Allah's wisdom. And yeah, and when and when and when he when he was crying at the death of Ibrahim, his son, um, the Sahaba said, "Ya Rasulullah, you're, you're, are you displeased with God?" And he said, "No." He says, uh, "We accept." What Allah decrees, right? We 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 are con- we're content with it, um, but and we don't say anything which is displeasure to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. However, this is like my, uh, this is rahmah. This is my the mercy in my heart. In other words, this is my human side that I can't control. I can't control feeling sad. Um, however, it's um, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala knows best. And the thing is, I remember I had this um, many years ago when I was doing a counselling certificate, and we had to do like. Um, um, triads when you can kind of role playing and role stuff playing like and that. stuff, and so we were asked to, we were asked to talk about something very difficult. So I think one lady um, talked about um, losing her child. It was actually losing a child. Another one, I think her, her issue was her father or something. Um, so you know, I'm, I'm I'm having to listen and ask questions. And I remember the one who'd lost a child. She was breaking down. Mm. The other the other woman, she was breaking down. I thought I need to think of something. Significant. I can't just think of anything. Mickey Mouse. So I thought, okay, what, what's what's the significant loss I've had? And I thought of my father passing away. 
So then what happened was that they had, it was my turn. So they said, okay, so how did it make you feel? I said, well, I felt sad and this and that. However, I knew that I could still do acts of charity for him. I know I could still go and give him salams at the grave. I know I could still read for him. Um, and um, I know it's a temporary... Um, a, t- a temporary absence, separation, yeah. yeah. Because the thing is, okay. I mean, I was thirty when my dad passed away. I thought, well, um, if I law on averages, I've lived to sixty or sixty-five. It's only another thirty years, and you know, as you know, time goes like that. Mm. So, the way I looked at it was it's a temporary separation. It's like, okay, I'm not seeing him now, but inshallah, I will see him again uh, in a happier state, um, in a better way, in a in a better place. So. What I realised And then what happened was They were asking me all these questions And I, and I wasn't breaking down I, was, I wasn't even crying And they're saying But so how do you feel? I said well I accept it Because I know that Everyone's going to die Right I know that everyone has to go I have to go No one's here forever No one You know the people that came before me Have gone There's going to be people That are going to come I'm going to go as well I'm going to move on So as we were going through this I realised I thought subhanAllah You know this is the difference That my faith has given me a mechanism of coping with whatever life throws at me. Now, the problem with when you're talking about the, 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 that clip with Stephen Fry um, and other atheists is that, say, for example, their entire existence revolved around their 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 spouse, right, their partner. That was the love of their life, and then all of a sudden, the person dies. Right, got nothing to live for. We've got nothing to. Uh, this is, and then what happens? Depression, alcoholism, etc., etc. Because why did that happen? There's no justice. Or let's just take another example. Um, all the sex abuse uh, scandals that happened with Jimmy Savile and so on, right? So if somebody who was a victim um, came forward, but then that person who did the abuse got away with it, mm. how would that make you feel? Mm. That's going to kill you. Mm. That, that This person abused me and got away with it. Whereas our understanding is he will not get away with it. If he gets away with it in this world... Guess what? He's gonna. He's not gonna get away with it in the next world. So the thing is, justice for us. There's always going to be justice. If you're an atheist, there's, there's always going to be injustice because why did my son just die? I loved him. He should have had a, a chance at life. Why didn't he get a chance at life? So that is completely devoid. So it actually makes dealing with life a lot more difficult. I think that's really helpful, Sheikh, of that approach. But I think one of the things that we know, Sheikh, is that it, certainly on the surface it appears like some people. Seem to have quite a cushy life, right? Things seem to be going well for them and maybe don't seem to have had many traumas and they've got, you know, they're doing pretty well in life and quite a straight trajectory. And you see some individuals, some families where lots of, lots of difficult and bad things happen to them. So it's not just isolated things, it's like maybe that cumulative effect that, you know, they've lost somebody when they were young and then they can't get a job and then they were in an abusive relationship and then, you know, uh, something else happened and then something else and you see, you know, you see some of these families and individuals that it seems actually, you know, this person's had a really tough life and compared to somebody else who's actually, his life's going pretty well, gone to school, had a good stable relationship, family, you know, I'm doing well, I've got a, I'm a professional, I'm a career, alhamdulillah, you know, all of that. And so that sense that, you know, that does, you know, some people say well, that might not seem fair, but also for these people that have had all these cumulative, you know, stresses, you know, they might feel actually this. I've had you know this is a, this is too much for me. You know, in terms of you know, I see in my day job, you know, a lot of people that have thoughts of wanting to harm themselves, or life's not worth living, and um, because life, you know, um, not being here seems a better option than being here. You know, because life is so difficult. 
So how do how do we reconcile that aspect that look some people might have seemed to have cushy lives and Allah doesn't seem to be testing them as much and some people seem to get all the tests, you know? And you know it's all, and that all builds up and builds up. How do we make sense of that? Because then people, you can imagine the person, and really, you can imagine the person probably what happens. The person that got a cushy life forgets Allah right until something bad happens, and the people that are having constant difficulties will actually say, you know, God's not being really helpful to me here. I'm pretty, you know, I'm getting all the grief here, and you know, I can't cope, and I'm better off just exiting. Mm. How do you um, make sense of all of this? Yeah, so th- I think there's two things. Um, one is that everybody is tested, um, and everyone's test is going to be different. So some people have a particular test, other people have a different test. So one thing is that everyone will be tested. Um, yes, some people will have a greater, uh, or what looks like a greater test in this life, but like I said, the recompense is there in the hereafter, such that if they could see the hereafter, and they could look back in life and say, right, would you, have, would you have rather had that other person's life or your life? They would have said, no, I would have want my own life. Because when they see what they're going to get in return for this, it. Because it's raised their ranks. Because perhaps. it's raised their ranks. Because, uh, yeah, the, 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 in terms of what they're going to get in terms of the paradise and so on. Uh, no reckoning, for example, or less lit reckoning, etc. So I think that's the first thing. The second thing is, is, is that it's not a very helpful way of looking at the world where you focus on, um, like you're saying, why has God done this, why has God done that, whereas not looking at what God has done for you. And because our focus should be on being grateful for what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us. There's a hadith, I think it's a very powerful hadith, it's in Bukhari, it says that um, when you're, you should always look at people below you, right? You should always look at people below you in the dunya because that way you will not belittle the bounty of Allah on you So what happens is We Like you said You're comparing yourself To the guy in the office Who seems to have a great life uh, but Like I said They have their own issues Which maybe they're not letting you know Right But what happens is We compare ourselves To other people Right We compare ourselves To people who Maybe have got more wealth More beauty Whatever it is Right We're always looking at people at people a higher status Whereas If we Looked at the people In say in Rohingya Or in Syria You'd think, subhanAllah, man, I've got so much. The fact I've got food on my table, the fact I've got a roof over my head, the fact I've got clothes to wear, the fact that I don't have I don't have fear of my life. All of these things, I have these things. So the focus should be on what you have rather than not what you don't have. And the problem is that what happens is that in... Um, in, uh, in in terms of dunya, we look at people higher than us, rather than lower than us. Whereas when it comes to the deen, we do the opposite. We look at people who. So if I'm praying three, ta- three times a day, I'm saying, "Well, that guy's only praying one ta- times a day, so I'm, do- I'm doing all right, <laughs> right." Whereas what we should be doing, that's when you look at people higher than you. You look at the guy doing five prayers. You think, "Man, I'm only doing three. I should be doing five So we've got our way of looking at things a bit skewed. We need to uh, rejig our focus. If your focus becomes on what you have. Rather than what you don't have And this is a problem with this society Is that it's always pushing things towards you Which you don't have That's what advertising is Advertising is all about You need this thing If you do this you'll be, you'll be happy If you get this you'll be happy If you get that you'll be happy Rather than actually you stopping and thinking I'm actually quite happy I don't really need anything mm. I don't need any more things I'm actually okay I, I don't have any problems Alhamdulillah So 
I think um, we need to we need to just like rethink how we're how the whole we're paradigm shift of the yeah, our definitely. whole outlook of life. And we were talking about why does God allow suffering to occur in the world? But Sheikh, I wanted to ask: so, is it okay when you are going through trial and tribulation, suffering? Is it okay to question your faith when that occurs? And to follow on from that, is it okay to speak about? your own questioning of your faith with other people for for help and assistance um yeah i think i think the way to say it is that i'm struggling i'm struggling to understand this i don't get it so when you talk to other people it's basically uh etiquette or adab with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but i mean allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is forgiving he knows these things are difficult so if people say the wrong thing inshallah he'll forgive but um it's better to have adab and say that I don't understand this. So you say to another person, "I'm struggling. I just this calamity happened to me. I don't get it. What, what do you think?" You know, rather than saying, "You know, I, 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 why did God do this and this and that and all the rest of it?" So I think it's um, how you how you say things. That's why when Ibrahim salam passed away, uh, the Prophet's son, he said that we don't say anything which is displeasurable to Allah. So when the Prophet was crying, he, he still said that we don't say anything displeasurable to Allah. We accept. Decree, and the thing is, look, um, every, everyone's going to die. I mean, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Uh, you know, Amanullah's going to die. We're all going to die. You know, everyone's going. We're all going at some point. Some are going to go sooner. Some are going later. And if if we all live to eighty, then what would happen is when you're in your twenties, everyone would be chilling. Because you know, it's all right. I've got sixty years left, man. I'm just going to go and do Hajj when I'm seventy. I'll do Tawbah, I'll grow a beard, sit in the mosque. <laughs> That's the strategies by some people. Um, but what happens is because you you hear shockingly somebody at twenty one just passed away, somebody at thirty one just passed away, somebody at forty one passed away, somebody at fifty. Because you hear that all the time, that keeps you on edge. You're like, well, hold on, I don't know if I'll live to eighty, so I can't rest on my loyals. I need to basically ensure that I'm on top of it. So I think um, there's lots of wisdoms and benefits why Allah Subhanahu wa does all these things. It's whether we whether we fully get it or we don't get it. We're never fully going to get it because we're limited. Um, and this is where obviously faith comes in. There's lots of, um, uh, like I said, there's lots of benefits which we can't see. So one of the benefits I'll say, the scholars say, is that you only know things through their opposites. So you only know well-being through sickness. If you were never ill and you never had that pain, you, so when you have a headache, right, you become aware of what it's like not to have a headache. Right, and you you realize it's such a blessing, but you don't realize it when you don't have a headache. Mm. So then, when you get the headache, you're like, "Oh my God!" You know, it's so you know what this calamity is. Same with thing, illness. When illness hits you and you're on your bed and you can't do anything, then you become reminded of, you know, I'm nothing. I'm nothing, and I don't have any power of my own. If Allah Subhanahu wa Taala just gives me this little illness, I can't move. So then you you appreciate well-being again. Uh, I mean, we're fasting when we drink that. F- First glass of water We appreciate water Because we're living in a time Where we have water in our taps We stand in the shower We don't have to think about water at all We have to walk for water But it's only when we fast And that thirst builds up And when you drink that water You think Bismillah And you think Alhamdulillah You feel it So this is a thing You you feel things um, At times And if those things Were not taken away from you You'd never feel them properly It's really interesting Umar al-Khattab said That he was never afflicted By a difficulty Except he always found Four blessings in it And he said that The first is It's not in my religion In other words I'm still a believer Okay Secondly He goes I'm not deprived Of God's pleasure Uh, Thirdly He said it could have been worse (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it can always be worse. And he said, lastly, I hope that I'm rewarded on account of it for being patient. You know, and if you if you if you make that your outlook in life, you will be able to power through any any calamity or any difficulty because you will always see the good. And this is a thing that you have to get away from negative thinking and think more positively. Is one of the be- most beautiful hadith um, that I uh, I have uh, come across and I like is the the one about strangers the affair of the believer. Ajiban li amr mu'min inna khair. All his affair is good. If something bad happens, he's patient and he's rewarded for it. If something good happens, he's thankful and he's rewarded for it as well. So in both situations, it's a win-win situation. So it's about, like I was saying before, about how we, how, what is our outlook uh, on life? How do we, how do we view things? I had a, a, a relative who, you could say, had a good life, right? He never really um, had difficulties. Um, until his last maybe six, seven years, had a stroke uh, and now he's housebound, can't do the things that he used to. And it's very difficult for somebody who's been independent now to rely on other people, not have full um, control over your own body. And I had this really profound um, conversation with him. He said to me, you know, he goes, I'm 77 years old. And he goes, and, he, he, and, he, and he, obviously he's been reflecting on his life and he goes, he goes you know something? Allah gave me a good life He goes I had a good life uh, And he goes nothing really shook me Until this last 6-7 years of my life Right For me from my perspective This is a, this is a preparation for him To meet his Lord right this is, a, this is how I'm looking at it But he said to me He goes, he goes you know like And the word he said was nature, right? Nature, if you understand that He said like you know What's nature in English The the essence, yeah, the essence. Well, he's basically in the essence, right? This he goes like the essence of my life, right? He goes over a reflection of seventy-seven years in this earth, my whole life. He goes the essence of my life. I've realized in the last few years is that God was teaching me that you're nothing, <laughs> right? He goes because I thought I was, it, I thought this, I thought you know, I was nothing ever got me down apart from this, and it was, Allah was bringing me back down to earth. He was humbling me, basically. And I thought, subhanAllah, you know something? I thought, at least you got it. Mm-hmm. At least you've understood that lesson that God, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was teaching you because a lot of people have unfortunately not learn it. So, I mean, just to, you, you mentioned the, the saying of uh, Umar ibn al-Khattab. What if, you know, the first statement was, it's not taking me out of my religion. What if you're there? What if you're... In that situation where you find yourself questioning your faith deeply, what what, what advice would you have for somebody who's knowledge is knowledge is a cure for for ignorance. The only reason you're feeling that is because you're you don't understand, mm. and the way to cure that is to understand. Um, and the more you connect yourself to knowledge um, through people of knowledge, circles of knowledge, um, being around uh, good people that can benefit you. Um, looking and I always say, I always say that if somebody, my personal opinion, right, is that if somebody is sincere, if somebody has ikhlas, if somebody has sincerity, and they they turn to God with sincerity, I am hundred percent sure that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala will guide that person. They may go through a difficult patch, they might have a a, a little dip, right. However, they will find their way back mm-hmm. if the person is sincere. And um, I mean, I always like the story of Musa and Khidr and Surah Kaf. Surah Kaf, we read it every Friday. 
um, and at the, towards the end it's got the story of Musa alayhi salam because then we know Musa alayhi salam is one of the five pivotal um, pro, uh, messengers prophets and um, he's he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that you know is there you know you've given me knowledge and this and that and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says look there's somebody I've given knowledge which you don't have he says okay I want to I want to meet that person so he tells him okay go to this place gives him certain um, things to do to find the person so he finds this person the person's Khidr now there's a bit of a difference of opinion whether Khidr is a prophet or he's just a a, a friend of God a wali of Allah um, however what they say is that um, uh, the scholars say that by cons- almost consensus uh, that Musa Islam had a higher status than, than Khidr um, so he says I want to I want to be with you uh, and just observe you he says that um, okay but he goes you're not going to be able to get it so uh, you know, you sure? He goes, look, I'll, I'll, don't worry, I won't, I won't say anything. I'll be patient. He goes, okay, you can be, you can come with me, but you can't ask any questions. Okay, so the first thing he does is he, uh, he's in this boat and uh, he makes a hole in the boat. And Moses says, what, what are you doing, making a hole in the boat? <laughs> I'm drowning. And he goes, I told you not to ask questions. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Okay, I forgot, forgot, forgot. Right. Then he goes past uh, another place and he kills a, a young boy. And he says, this is murder. How can you kill somebody? Right, and he says, "I told you not to ask questions." He goes, "Okay, okay, okay." Then the third place, um, they go to a certain town and they ask for some food and hospitality, and they tell him get lost. So as he's leaving, he starts building a wall at the edge of the the town. He goes, "I don't get this, right?" They just threw us out, right? And you're you're doing a good deed for them. I don't get this. He goes, "I told you not to ask questions." He goes, "Now I'll explain to you." Okay. He goes, "As for the the first person, he goes, and this is what Allah had given this this knowledge to Khidr that he said that he'd made me aware that there was a pirate in the area and he was he was basically um, seizing all the good boats. So I made this hole so that he'd look at it as a defect and not take the boat. As for the boy, Allah SWT had told me this this person, had he been led to live, would have caused a lot of corruption, would have killed a lot of people, like a Genghis Khan kind of character, right? And so it was, it was better for the world that he was his life was ended. Um, and the third place, he said that the, there was a, a treasure which was left for orphans underneath that wall, so I built it so it'd be safeguarded so that um, their wealth would not would be given to them when they grow up. Then Musa says, "Ah, I get it now, right?" And he goes, "This is what you couldn't be patient with." So that story, for me anyway, is almost like talking about the question of evil. Is that Musa Salam was seeing it as a one-dimensional thing? That like, I, I don't get it. Like I don't. I just this, this seems wrong. It's a bit like what Stephen Fry is saying. I don't get it. Bone cancer and children. I don't get the. I don't see it, right? But, like I said, once the full picture has shown, you're like, ah, right, okay. Now I know what's going on. Now I see. Now I see why you'd want to do that or why you'd have to do that. So again, like I said, the more we connect with our tradition, the more we are connected to our Quran. These kind of stories. These are. Why is Allah telling us that story? Yeah. We have to ask ourselves, what is God tell, trying to tell me? God's trying to explain that, look, sometimes you don't... And this is why it says, Asa and takrahu shay'an wa huwa khayrun lakum. Sometimes, and it says in the Quran, sometimes you hate something, and it's actually better for you. Wa asa and takrahu shay'an wa huwa... Wa asa and tuhibbu shay'an wa huwa sharrun lakum. And sometimes you love something, it's actually bad for you. Right? So, we don't always see it. We we just see the outward, but we don't we can't see the inward. We can't see the full mechanism of what's going on. A bit like um, that hadith about um, Allah does not look at your outward forms or your actions, but He looks at your state, your heart. So 
we can't see anyone's I can't see in your heart you can't see in my heart right so I have to judge on the outward okay so in the outward this person prays you know seems to fast Ramadan he seems to be a good person I don't know what was going on in your heart we've got a whole surah on the hypocrites and munafiquins a whole surah about them who outwardly professed faith but inwardly didn't believe so the state of affairs as they are we don't know we only have a snippet of what's going on but the full picture only uh, only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has so um, it's about understanding your limitations and this is why in terms of like uh, advice for, for how do we cope with these things like I was going back to that counselling example our faith by giving us all these understandings it helps us to deal with these difficulties because Allah knows that these difficulties are going to happen there's going to be somebody who's going to lose their child there's going to be somebody who's going to lose a loved one there's going to be somebody who's going to get cancer there's going to be somebody who's going to, this is going to happen that's going to happen things which um, were completely out of the control and things will happen to them right but, but all these other texts puts it in perspective for us and when you when you um, understand that then you have a complete different perspective on it and um, this is why I like um, uh, There's a, a, a Poetry by Imam Haddad One of his famous poems uh, Which I, I really like And if you I mean, you can google it You can see the translation of it And the reason why Imam Haddad was writing in poetry Is so that people would recite it And people would almost get A, a way of how to live Happily And, and the, the, the line says La yakthur hammuk ma qudr yakun don't worry too much because what's meant to be is meant to be. And that one line, right? That one line, if you made that your motto of your life, you would you would uh, you'd be able to cope with anything. And then he goes on, he goes on to say, Look, whatever um whatever is meant for someone else is going to get to someone else. Whatever's meant for you is going to meant is, is going to come to you in, t- in terms of risk. And we know this risk is um uh, you know, already fixed for a person. So he says, Don't worry about other people, don't like look at other people. What they're going to get, they're going to get. What you're going to get, you're going to get. Therefore, you should you should only occupy yourself with what God is asking you. So, in other words, you should just focus on God. And what's God asking? He wants me to pray. He wants me to fast. He wants me to do this. He wants me good to my parents. He wants me to uh, good to my community to give sadaqah. This, all the things He's asking me. He goes, just get on with that. And I think this is what needs to happen: is people need to think, right? Um, this thing has happened. I may not fully understand it, I may partially understand it, but I know that this life is limited. I know that, okay, I've lost my, so let's, let's just say the, the child situation, I've lost my child. We know hadith, we know texts, any child who passes before puberty goes straight to paradise, right? So what does a parent want for the child? What do they want? They always want the best for the child. That's what they say, I want the best for my children, but usually it's in a dunyawi sense, that they want the, do- the the child to have really good grades, so they can have a good career. They can, you know, have a, a, a kind of good life. But is our focus on, again? Is our focus about this fifty, sixty years, or is our focus for eternity? If you put it like that, and you said, "Well, you have a choice, your child. You can enjoy fifty, sixty years. Then they're going to have to account for their actions. They may fail and go to hellfire for the rest of eternity, or they could um, go straight to paradise. No reckoning, nothing." They'll be at paradise, and guess what? They'll intercede for you as well. Which one's better? From 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 you know the eternity perspective, obviously that is a better option. So yes, there is a loss, definitely. But is a recompense for that loss? Of course there is. For the child, they go straight to paradise, no reckoning. They're saved from the toils of this earth. This earth, uh, we know 
dunya sijnul mu'min the dunya is a as a present for the believer it's full of trials and tribulations it's difficult with things we're talking about people have mental health issues people have suicidal thoughts some people do commit suicide life's not easy right that person's been saved from all the toils of of um of this of this earth and um they're going straight to paradise and they will intercede for the parents of the parent who's suffering that loss they're 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 going to get recompensed so I was, I was at Hajj one of the sheikhs that I've been I'm going to Hajj with uh, Sheikh Rajab has come to Glasgow a few times he's blind and uh, so just amazing watching him he's, he's in mid 50s uh, beautiful voice if you google him Sheikh Rajab um, uh, recitation Tarawih absolute beautiful voice and um Obviously, you see him. You're 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 sharing a room with him. You see how he goes to the bathroom. And he comes back. He makes himself a cup of tea, and he's got a he's got a phone that talks. So he's like, you know, he's like goes through his messages, and every so often you say, look, you know, can you can you do this for me or can you do that for me? Um, but speaking to him has been a very interesting. I mean, he's uh, somebody um, you could say that again one of those people who's who's got difficulties. He's he's not allowed in Egypt. So his family's there. He's here by himself now. Um, he was he was ch- he was chucked out of uh, Egypt. Um, so he's got difficulties. He's in his fifties. He's diabetic. He's blind. Um, you know. So it's it's not an easy it's not an easy life existence that he has. But Subhanallah, just talking to him, it's just uh, he's just full of iman. And uh, because he's like um, uh, obviously Quran is like his thing. He's just like when we when he's talking, he just mentions verses of Quran. Like an, an expression in it because Arabic language. You just like as we're talking in it. I remember once he said, <laughs> he said, like um, there's a mobile. And you know the the wee pin thing that you have to put in to get your salmon. And he goes, uh, he passes it to me. He goes, can you can you put that? And he goes, irja'ha ila siratul ula, right? And I started laughing because that that siratul ula is from the Quran, but it made sense in the sentence. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he would just like he was just like. Put the the verse of Quran into language <laughs> as he's talking, and I thought this is beautiful. But anyway, I mean, I remember we were having a conversation, and he was saying to me, he goes, you know, I've been blind my my entire life, and he goes, I think of how many sinful things that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has saved me from seeing. Mm. You know, so he he looked at the at the positive, not the negative. He looked at, you know, okay, I, I can't see, but the the positive of that. Is that I have I don't have to lower my case, you know what I mean? I don't I don't have these other issues that other people have, you know. And we have a we have a big problem now in our time. People have got porn porn addictions. They can't stop watching certain things. They can't stop looking at certain things. Can't stop listening to certain things. He goes, I don't have that problem. So again, it's about you know focusing on what Allah has given you, and not what Allah has not given you. You know. Um We've only got like about five minutes left in the show But I was just thinking in terms of practical tips Because I guess the suffering side of things we It's because we were gravitating towards negative ideas and negative notions So man, maybe you might be able to help out here But I've heard of things like, you know, keeping gratitude journals As a, as a way of coping through depression and suffering Just to reflect, do you have any like insights as well of like I mean, Sheikh will probably expand on this, but one thing that struck me was um, uh, we, I, 
I did um, some interviews for last year's Radio Ramadan with Desert Island Gems, and one of the things was trying to get some of these, you know, people that had achieved something or been inspirational. And one thing that struck me from uh, one or two of the people that I spoke to, one of them said, look, every day write down three things that you sh- you're grateful for and just almost have a, li- a, a journal. And he goes, that will help keep you focused and be grateful. Um, and I thought that was always powerful, really powerful. And I was trying to think, trying to get my kids to do that. Something along those lines in terms of, is that, you know, I think what's resonated with me, Sheikh, is what you're saying in terms of, you know, don't focus on what you don't have, but focus on what you do have, you know. So even like this, uh, Sheikh Rajab that you're describing, you know, what are the benefits he's talking about? Not, okay, Allah's made me, you know, deficient in this area and this area. So I think that's something really powerful. And um, one thing that I was going to think, obviously we know the power of dua and prayer. And I'm just thinking in terms of etiquettes of um, making prayer and dua. I mean, should we pray to Allah and say, oh Allah, almost don't afflict me with difficulties and troubles? Or is it more about, you know, I'm going to have troubles, but give me the strength to cope with it? So, I mean, is it is it the etiquette right to say, actually, uh, you know, rather than saying, oh, Allah, whatever happens, happens, and in your wisdom, or should you say, actually, Allah, please minimize it, I don't want bad things to happen to me? And so, it was just interesting in terms of the etiquette of dua, in terms of, or should you just make dua that, okay, Allah, whatever happens, give me the strength to deal with it, etc. So, Sheikh, are you able to... Maybe share some thoughts. Um. Yeah, um, <laughs> the interesting thing that you're talking about, that thing about um, every day, start with three things you're grateful for. You know, a lot of these like um, life coaches or um, people that are kind of, you know, life changers. I mean, I remember even Tony Robbins, I watched a clip and that's exactly what he was saying. He goes like appreciation. He was talking about appreciation. Wake up in the morning and just appreciate you know certain things, and there's a few other people as well in that kind of whole work, which actually says that part of, that's part of their daily routine. In the morning, they meditate. I think Subhanallah, we just pray Fajr, but you know <laughs> they meditate uh, for 20 minutes. And uh, again, f- I'll focus on a couple of things that I'm 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 uh, grateful about. Some of them actually say you even repeat it to yourself um, that I appreciate whatever I appreciate, and just keep saying that sentence over and over again, uh, um, and that has an effect. So it's interesting that you're you're saying that because that's these are non-Muslims saying this, you know. So this is um, them motivating other people. So and to me, that's just shukr, isn't it? That's just gratitude, something that we're supposed to do. Um, and it almost has to be a very conscious thing in, in this day and age because with all the distractions and you're busy, it's almost you have to. Yeah, and I think the other thing is it. is the is the type of people you hang around with. If you're always hanging around with moaners, then what happens is you start moaning as well. So mm-hmm. I think that the company you hang around with, and it's one of the things interesting that Sheikh Hamza mentions in that, that video I was talking about, it was the 17 benefits of trials and tribulations, which I recommended so Just on that, Sheikh, we've posted that on the Facebook page. So okay. uh, if anybody wants to go to the Facebook page, Radio Ramadan Glasgow, the link that Sheikh, uh, you're just referring to, uh, the talk, is already there. But sorry to Yeah, so he mentions in that, he was saying that, he goes, even he goes, even moaners don't like other moaners. <laughs> <laughs> the moan about the moaners. The moan about the moaners. <laughs> and, you know, that's the thing. If you're around negative people, oh, my God, this happened. Oh, my God, that happened. Oh, my life is so rubbish. Oh, my life is that. You know, whereas if you're around, people say, alhamdulillah, you know, alhamdulillah, this happened, but alhamdulillah, you know, I've got this and I've got that. Alhamdulillah, I still have this. You then... 
it's again it will rejig you in the right way. It will focus you to also think the same way. So keeping the right type of people around you is important. Negative people either change their thinking, influence them, and if you can't, then it's better to actually get rid of those type of people because their energy, their negative energy, is just going to bring you right down. So if you, I mean, you know yourself, if you're on chirpy people, you start becoming chirpy yourself. Sometimes you're having a bad day, and all you, or you, you meet one person and just picks you up, you know. And sometimes, I mean, subhanallah, even on on Facebook, uh, I've, sometimes I've put, a, I've put a hadith up or something, and someone will say, Sheikh, I needed that, mm. you know. So it's just that one thing in their day that they read, and it's like, ah, you know, actually, as things are not so bad, I feel a lot better. So it's it's about reading that kind of stuff, inspirational stuff. Uh, there's lots of hadith, lots of sayings of. Or scholars. I mean, I'll, I'll share one, uh, uh, one that I, uh, a personal favorite of mine's as well. Before I ask, answer the question on du'a. This one's uh, by Malik ibn Dinar, and I love it. It says, "If the dunya consisted of temporary gold, and the hereafter of eternal sand." So, if the dunya was temporary gold, and the hereafter was eternal sand, he said, a smart person would choose the eternal sand, and leave the temporary gold. Because if someone says, look, you can have this one kilo of gold, you can only have it for a day and then give it me back. Or you can have this internal sand, it will last forever. You think, well, what's the point of having the gold for a day? I'm going to have to give it back. I may as well go with the sand. Then he says, he says, I say, well, how difficult can our choice really be when we know that the dunya consists of temporary sand and the hereafter consists of eternal gold? You know, so when you read that, you're like, whoa! You know, you're like, that's it. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, if the world is temporary sand, and that eternity is, is eternal gold, then how difficult can our choice really be? If your focus is on that, then you think, oh, you know, so what? A couple of years of difficulty, so what? It's nothing compared to what I'm going to get. So coming back to your, your du'a, um, I think there's nothing wrong with, with asking not to be tested. Um, so there's nothing wrong with asking not to be tested. But if you are tested, then to ask Allah subhanahu to give you the ability to get through that. Um, and also um, asking for afia, well-being, always well-being spiritually and physically in every way. And lastly, what I would say is um, get in the habit of talking to God. So if you if you have a difficulty, just say, Ya Allah, I don't get this. I don't understand. Show me, guide me. I don't get it. My heart's my heart's and you know uh, perplexed. My heart's like you know it's not in a good place. Ya Allah, give me a sound heart. Show my heart. Guide me, give me the understanding. Guide me to the people that can help me understand. Just talk to God. Just it's almost like a counselor, right? What do you do when you counsel? You just open your heart and you let out things that you don't tell other people. Do that to do that with Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. Just talk to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala and say, Ya Allah, I'm struggling. I'm having a bad day. I'm having just just you know you're listening. You're there. Just show me, guide me to somebody, or show me, or just help me. And do you think that if you open your heart to Allah, He won't answer? SubhanAllah Shaykh Jazakallah khair Thank you um, Really beautiful note To end the show Absolutely. on I think Thank you for listening Assalamu alaikum Welcome Assalamu For more information And to listen to more podcasts Visit us at arc.score Or check out the Arc Media app